0: So, does your career energize you with life? Or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers, where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. At one point in his career, this week's guest, Jesse Hirsch, did something that on the surface might seem quite ordinary. He emailed the publisher of a fledgling food magazine in Queens, New York, a magazine that had long piqued his interest because, of all things, he had found a typo. And in a subsequent exchange with the publisher, without even thinking much about it, Jesse extended an offer to volunteer his copy editing skills, simply and truly because he was moved by that publication and because he wanted to see it succeed. What to me is so fascinating about that moment is that it clearly brings to life that one piece of advice that you're likely to hear from career counselors everywhere, and that is to pay extra close attention to those things you do no matter what. When no one's looking, when there's no money on the line. In this case, Jesse just typed up a quick email and offered up his copy editing services. But that was not unlike the time he launched his own blog so that he could write more freely on his own at night to complement the more staid reporting he was doing during the day. And that was not unlike the time he decided to shift from his clerical position at a law firm and applied to write for the firm's daily internal publication even though it was way far afield from the type of writing it cared about. But as Jesse explained, it was goofy, it was dumb, but at least I was writing. And that is exactly the point. So without further ado, I give you food writer Jesse Hirsch. So firstly, uh, Jesse, thank you for taking the time to share your journey. Of course. So I guess my first question for you is, Do you ever think about the concept of uh, purpose or mission or, you know, why, Why? what am I doing here on this planet?
1: Um, I do think about that. And I think about how 10 years ago, I did not really so much, Um, that I kind of just worked at a job like people did and um, had friends who also worked at jobs. And we just went and hung out and ate dinner and proceeded in kind of a... I mean, it didn't seem so at the time, but it seemed a little bit, it seems now looking back that it was just kind of living to live, right? Yes. Um, al- almost aimless. Uh, All right. Although, If you had accused us of that at the time, we would have been angry. You know, and, and since then, since my career has uh, gone in the path that it has in the last 10 years, I would have a totally different answer for you. I do, I do think, I mean, I, I think that life with purpose is achievable.
0: And what would you, where have you netted out for yourself? Where, what do you see as your mission or purpose or reason for, uh, for being here?
1: Well, I mean, when you, when you phrase it like that, it almost sounds, uh, you know, theological or, or, or religious, um, you know, and I don't know if it's anything as lofty as all of that, um, but I know that the job that I do, uh, which is writing about food and editing food, basically food journalism, um, is just exactly where, i was supposed to be yeah. you know, it's 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 the thing that makes me the very happiest uh i mean uh, people talk about being a workaholic and you know how you just don't seem to be able to turn off um and you know from a distance they think that that does seem like kind of a, a negative attribute unless the thing that you're doing is something that really just kind of thrills you at every moment you know exactly
0: that makes perfect sense so let me ask this from from another direction Okay. Are, are are you are you today where you thought you would be in your career when you were younger? God, no, no, not at
1: <laughs> all, not at all. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even go. This wasn't really my plan. Yeah. Uh, when I went to college, I did a double major of English and journalism, and journalism was kind of like the safety. Yep. Uh, it was the more practical of the liberal arts. Uh, you know, you can actually go out and get a job pound in the streets as a newspaper reporter. And and there were parts of it that I thought were really exciting. You know, when you learned about the muckrakers, the people who had really accomplished a lot of uh, potent change, I was like, oh yeah, I could do that. I could be a noble hero, you know, who who uh, re- reveals government injustices or whatever it is. Um, and so I was a newspaper reporter for a few years in Wisconsin, in rural Wisconsin. Yep. And honestly, I mean, I wasn't particularly well suited for it. Yeah, um, it was like for one thing, the writing itself. Like I really, I really liked the craft of writing, and when you're writing for a newspaper in AP style, it's very dry, very like the facts. Uh, you start with the most important part of the story, and then kind of whittle it down as as the as it proceeds. And it just was nothing I ever found a passion for, and I ended up just taking a job with a friend uh, law firm in Boston because it paid well, and doing that for a while. Um, yep. So yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have known at all, that I would have ended up on this particular path.
0: That's helpful. Tell me, what, do you, what is it that you do? How do you describe what it is you do
1: today? Um, well, I write about food. I mean, that's the, that's the part of it. I, I'm also, my job that takes up the most of my time is I'm the editor of a small food magazine. Yep. But I really think that I'm at my happiest when I'm actually writing about it myself, do, yep. doing, doing my own writing or doing the reporting that leads to that. Um, I think that, uh, for one thing food is incredibly diverse as a topic. Uh, it's not, I don't feel particularly pigeonholed into one tiny little niche thing. Um, I mean, I, I've written stories about GMOs and technology and government and food and, um, you know, or crazy little trend pieces or the fact that pizza delivery drivers, uh, it's one of the most dangerous jobs in America, you know, uh, or it could be just be straight restaurant, uh, criticism. I mean, that's not necessarily my favorite part of it, but the fact that you can kind of take this one umbrella topic and just do so much with it has made it so that it was it never, ever, ever gets boring.
0: What is it about food writing in general that that just moves you? Well, what part of
1: that? Interesting. Um, well, it kind of started as an accident. Um, I found a typo in a food magazine when I was living in Queens about six years ago, and I really liked this food magazine, um, but I was not what you'd say was a foodie. I did not, uh, you know, have a target list of hot restaurants in Manhattan that I needed to visit. I just liked this one particular local food magazine in Queens. Uh, and so I emailed the publisher and they said, I found this typo. Um, by the way, if you guys ever need any pro bono, uh, copy editing work, I know how to do that. Uh, it turns, it turns out that she, she had just started this magazine and she was very overwhelmed. Uh, she did need some help. I did it for free for two months and then she was able to actually, you know, come up with some money to pay me. Um, mm-hmm. And it still was kind of a sideline. I kept my day job at at the law firm for for years while I was doing this just on the side. And what started as kind of like an exciting hobby, my friends thought it was neat, you know, that they could every now and again go and eat chicken wings with me and we would write about it. Right. Um, It just expanded a little bit. You know, I started freelancing for a few places. Um, I moved out to San Francisco with a girlfriend. And um, my big break was there that someone that I knew who was a restaurant critic in Oakland left his job uh, and really felt guilty about it and wanted to have a solid replacement for himself when he left. So he was like, do you want to be a restaurant critic? And I had never, I had never thought of that. Like I was writing about food, I was doing journalism stuff. uh, But the idea of actually doing criticism, you know, seems so lofty and fancy. Right. But it was also an opportunity that I could full time write, um, you know, and make a decent income at it and eat out at a bunch of restaurants, which is never a hassle. So I was like, yes, of course I'll do this. Um, and so, but I resisted for a while the idea that that's what I did. Uh, I really did it probably until about a year or two ago. I was like, I am a journalist. I am a writer, but it doesn't necessarily have to be about food because I kind of accidentally stumbled into this. Yeah, right. Like, so it wasn't like, oh, my whole life has been about cooking. You know, like ever since I was three and my mom taught me to make my first loaf of bread. Like it wasn't. You know, I didn't have that kind of path. Right. That you can explain really super easily. So because of that, and because I have other interests like movies and technology is quite interesting to me and and music, all of these things seemed like things I could potentially write about. Um, so when people were like, Hey, so what's it like being a food writer? I would always kind of couch it and be like, no, well, I'm just more of a writer. And I just happen to, you know, be writing about food. But after a while, I really, I think once you start to know about a thing, uh, just by, you know, working in the field for so much, you, you kind of develop a certain amount of expertise and having expertise makes you feel much more comfortable in the subject area, right? So now I, I had a story. Someone assigned me a story on um, ISIS destroying art uh, in March, and I was like, "Sure." It was a friend who edits this uh, w- website, and so I took the story, and then I just found myself like kind of floundering. I was like, "Oh, yeah. I don't really know anything about iconoclasm and art and ISIS." And you know, I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pretend to see, have that expert's voice, but you know, if I'm not writing about food, I don't really have the, the there there. So. I mean, that's mostly what it is, is that I think that I've just been doing it for so long that it, it's become something that I know more than anything else. And that's what's exciting.
0: That makes a lot of sense. You had mentioned that this was not um, part of the plan, right? Can we walk back a little bit? What, you know, let's, let's go back to Jesse and childhood. Yeah. Um, what, what was your earliest memory of something that you did want to do when you uh, when you when you grew
1: up? Sure. I mean, uh, without sounding the arrogant, like I, I always knew that I could write. Yep, um, yep. and I, I kind of thought that I, I definitely was in love with certain authors, um, and thought that I could be a short story, maybe eventually novel writer. Um, and I know that like all through junior high and high school, I was writing pretty terrible stories about things that I didn't understand, like,
0: right.
1: like hunger and, you know, living in poverty. Um, <laughs> trying to seem very serious and and authorly. So so while I knew that I could I I knew the basic craft of writing stringing sentences together that that was the thing that I could do best. I just never really conceptualized what that meant besides some kind of vague sense of being a writer someday. Yeah. Right? Um. So it's not that this is like a huge departure. I just could never have imagined something a that worked. You know that it, it's actually like paying my bills and right. <laughs> and I can do this every day and be uh, so specific so niche. Uh, really the food thing would have surprised me. I would, I would have much, like if you, if you said to 15 year old Jesse, well, this is what you're going to do. I would have been much more likely to think that maybe I was a movie or a music writer. Yeah. I mean, th- th- those were my big passions, uh, back in, back when I was younger.
0: So you're doing this writing in, in middle school and, and high school. Mm-hmm. Um, where, what happens next? How, wh- where do you go to college and how, sure. how do you decide what to study there?
1: That's a really good question. The fir- I, I forgot about this. The first year of college that I went to uh, in Boston, I was a film major because I, I really like I di- I watched a lot of movies when I was in high school, probably five movies a week minimum, and I thought that that maybe could translate into actually making movies. Okay. Um, it, it's it's it was kind of a temporary dream. It was kind of a, I I got to that moment where I'm like, well, everyone's going to college, and I've got to go to college. Where do, what do I go to college for? Um, okay, well, I love movies, so maybe I'm going to make movies. That's what I'll do. Uh, and then I went, and it was a lot of film theory, and it was a lot of like deconstructing the things that I found so magical. Yep. You know, it was like sitting in the front row of like a play where you really see up close and personal the, you know, that the actors aren't as attractive as you thought, and, and right. there's like, sweat glistening on their brow. Like it's just getting so, getting so enmeshed in movies made me not really love it. And also, I didn't really have any reason to think that I would have any talent making a movie just because you like watching them doesn't yep. make you talented filmmaker. Um, but then I also screwed up. I had an honor scholarship to, to the college I went to and I was more interested in kind of hanging out with a bunch of interesting people and dating girls. Yep. And so I, I screwed up my honor scholarship and was not able to go back to that college anyway. And it was kind of, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say it was faded. It kind of actually seemed like I learned a valuable lesson about, you know, responsibility there. Um, Because then I went and ended up doing AmeriCorps. When I first left, I just said, okay, well, I'm going to just work at a regular job and save up enough money to go back to college. Uh, It was a private liberal arts school, uh, really kind of out of my income range. So, you know, I worked in an ice cream parlor, barely saved any kind of money. Two years went by and I was like, oh, wow, I don't think I'll ever get to college this way. And kind of sucks to just work at a service industry job that doesn't really, you know, that isn't rewarding and doesn't pay very much money. So I did Americorps for a year, um, and I taught little kids in New Mexico, and that kind of just straightened things out a little bit. I was like, okay,
0: that was your first job out of college. No, the first job
1: out of oh wait wait wait, wait. no no I did Americorps in between. Like I did Americorps for a year, and then I went back to college because they it. give you they give you an educational stipend to pay for some of your college. Um, so it's kind of like the Peace Corps, you know you you earn you earn some educational money. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was. I went to the school, <laughs> lost my honor scholarship, worked a, a dead end job, did Americorps, then went back to a state school and did the journalism English thing. And I was just a much better student then. You know, I was like, okay, I actually appreciate this because I see what the uh, the alternative is—just being out there, you know, doing things that you don't really love.
0: Yeah, got it. So you do the Americorps, you come back to college, mm-hmm. you, you graduate. Where do you go next?
1: Uh, I went to. <laughs> a state that I had only been through on a Greyhound bus before, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. I'm from Massachusetts, and uh, I just basically was willing to apply to any job anywhere in the U.S. Yep. Um, and Canada, too. And there was one job in Newfoundland? Yeah, I was in Newfoundland in this whaling community of all places, uh, and I thought that that sounded so romantic and adventurous, and, and they offered me the job, and then they were like, wait a minute, actually, we just checked the rule book, and you cannot be an American to take a reporter job in Canada. So... Um, Yeah, So so there was that job. There was one in to be the education reporter in Hatch, New Mexico, and then a a general assignment reporter in Wisconsin, in rural Wisconsin. And what I liked about that, the sound of that job was that I would be one of two reporters at this entire newspaper. And so I was going to just get a crash course in everything. I was going to learn about crime and politics and education and and everything else that a reporter needs to learn.
0: Pretty awesome. And how, how was that experience?
1: It was good. It was good. Um, But like I said before, it was just that um, I didn't really – like I liked being out there and I I definitely had more adventures than I thought that I was going to have because even in rural Wisconsin – Strange things happen all the time, Uh, and there were just there. There were a bunch of crazy stories that I ended up reporting on, like the woman who dug up her boyfriend's grave because he had been buried with a pack of cigarettes and a six pack of beer, and she wanted that. (laughs) Um, You know, like stories like that. I was like, "Wow, this is crazy! I can't believe this stuff is happening." But that's not really that wasn't really enough to it was. It wasn't what I would call a passion. Yeah, It, it was. It was just enough to make it not miserable that I was living a thousand miles away from any friends or loved ones, you know? It kept kept me busy.
0: So what do you make of that? um, So you're quickly realizing at that point Uh that you had taken a job for journalism, which was your plan B to help pay the bills. Sure. And then you're quickly realizing that that is not really cutting it. Mm -hmm. What do you make of uh, that?
1: I mean, part of it is that I think just the way that you have to write for – a standard American newspaper is so dry. It's just very, very dry. And I didn't, I didn't have any mentors there that might've helped if I had someone who was really like fired up about, you know, the journalism at its very best. Um, but my editor had almost as little experience as I did. So, you know, I was just kind of figuring it out as we went along. Um, one of one of the major differences between the writing I was doing then and the writing that I'm doing now is that I get to write how I want, you know, my actual voice comes through in right. the words and that makes such a huge difference. Cause then I read the thing over and I'm like, there's me, and that's exciting. Uh, you know, and hopefully, you know, like on the on the few occasions where you, you really think, Okay, I nailed it. I did exactly what what it was that I set out to do. It's it really feels kind of exciting and inspiring, yeah. you yeah. know. In a way that I never felt when I was in Wisconsin.
0: And when you were in Wisconsin, or even before you go to Wisconsin, do you, are, are you realizing that, are you conscious at that point of the fact that you really love, you know, English and writing?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, when it, I think my outlet when I was in Wisconsin was um, two things. I started a blog, yeah. which is what everyone does, um, and that way I was able to, like, be funny and, you know, like be sassy and and actually just observe the things in the way that I wanted to observe them. And that was actually, I mean, if I think back, I've forgotten about this, but just just mentioning it to you now, like the way that writing that blog felt was a distant cousin of what I feel now, right? Because I had, I had, I got a decent number of readers and so people were commenting it and and commenting on these stories and enjoying the stories. And I I was like working on the craft. That was actually much more important to me than the real day job that I had. Yeah. Was writing that silly blog.
0: You say distant cousin in the sense that it, it well, was just I, it was just a tiny silly. audience.
1: A tiny audience yep. is one thing. Uh, no purpose is another, right? Yep. Like there there was like it's not like I was writing for anything besides just self gratification, right? Yep. Like I just, I just wanted my words to go out there in the universe and pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Um, and also, if I went back and read the actual quality of the writing, I just feel like I didn't. I, you know, I was in my early twenties and. Didn't, didn't know that much about craft and it really does take a while to kind of, uh, hone something into something that you feel like you're good at. I still have a lot of ways to go. I mean, by no means am I there.
0: But did you also at the same time feel some sense of freedom about that blog?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is a really good question. Um, yeah, because who is going to tell me not to write something? Yeah, uh, you know, like I could, I could basically do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and also, some it, it gave me a way to kind of incorporate the interesting adventures I had in my day job. I could write about those things in a way that was more human, right? Like, yeah. I, I remember one post. I don't know, it just popped into my head when I just went to on a snowy day to a farm where there was a bunch of little kids who had visited the farm and. It was just such a delight. It was such a treat, you know, to see these little kids just playing on the tractors and playing with the goats and everything. And it was this kind of, like, meaningful experience. And then when I put it in the newspaper, it was just like, hey, you know, field trip to Mrs. Sanders, second grade class, went to the farm, blah, 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 I blah. It. So I just remember that it was, it was so much better when I got to go and, like, write about it on the blog and just talk about the joy that it brought me to hang out with all these little kids on a snowy day on the farm.
0: Can I ask, what did or do your parents do?
1: Mm. Well, um, my mother... Had spent her career. She just retired last year. Uh, mm-hmm. She has, was a secretary her whole life for uh, academia, largely academia. Like she worked at a college for like the last, God, I don't know, two or three decades. Before that, she was a secretary in city government outside yep. of Boston. Um, and her job was like she was very explicit about the fact that her job was simply to be a supplemental income to my father's uh, and and help the family. Yep. Uh, right? She never even she never even allowed herself the chance to think that there could be you know uh work with passion um and i think it's now i think now she's like looking back on her life and thinking oh the things i could have done right. um, and my father interestingly he's he kind of had a job that was just a job he worked at a, in a sawmill when i was a little kid and then he hurt his back in the sawmill and this is in idaho and when you hurt your back when you hurt yourself in a in idaho in a way that you can't do your job anymore they will pay for you to go to college which is really i think they still do that i don't know But it's pretty nice. Uh, He got his college paid for after he hurt his back. And so he went and he was a respiratory therapist. And then he was pretty ambitious. And he ended up uh, later in his career moving up. And he was the director of the respiratory department at Maine's biggest hospital, um, was his last job. And then about three or four years ago, he had the realization that a job with passion is kind of exciting. And what he always had loved doing was working um, with plants and gardening and the land. And so (laughs) He left a job. He left a six-figure job as the director of the respiratory department at Maine's biggest hospital to take a twelve-dollar-an-hour job as a part-time gardener's assistant at this restaurant that had a garden. Uh, and he's never been happier. He's never been happier. Like it's amazing. He, I, I go up there and visit him, and he shows me. He slops the pigs, and he's tending to the bees, and showing me the arugula. Um, so you know, he, he figured it out late, but he figured it out.
0: So. What impact do you think they have had or even your your observation of them has had on your career path and your decision-making
1: process uh, along the way? Um, well, uh, you know, I would hate for her to hear this, but <laughs> the truth is, is that like my mother is kind of an example of what I don't want. I want to feel like I'm spending my life, you know, and, and I guess, I mean, life with meaning can mean a lot of different things. And for a lot of people, it is sort of family um and you know raising children and and i i don't doubt that that will be part of mine as well but i don't know somehow somehow the idea of like a whole life that is satisfying to a person i feel like she never had that and it's so it's kind of an example of you know like (laughs) what i don't want to do
0: yep got it so you're you're in wisconsin um you're you're realizing that this general assignment job is not all that for Mm -hmm. you What, what, uh, what happens next for you?
1: Uh, I mean, it's a little embarrassing. I followed a girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, there was a woman that I was dating in Wisconsin. Uh, she was in Madison and she got a job in New York city and moved out there. And I was like, I just now, now I feel particularly alone, uh, way out here. And so I came back to the Northeast and I went to Boston because that's where more of my friends were. Um, but I figured Boston and New York were pretty close to each other. Um, but yeah, my reason, my, my, the, the, at least the straw that I had other reasons for leaving, but the straw that broke the camel's back was that, uh, was the, the girl problems.
0: Yep. And, and so career wise, what happens next?
1: Yeah. I went I showed up in possum and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I applied for some reporting jobs, but they just, I mean, even then this, this was what, this was like mid 2000, uh, like 2005 even then the writing was kind of on the wall for print journalism. um, And so the jobs were becoming harder, scarcer and scarcer, you know, entry-level reporting jobs. And there's so many colleges in Boston that uh, they were just highly competitive. The only reporting job I could find was one where I would have had to drive like 50 minutes out into the suburbs um, to report on the suburbs. And I just was like, no, I just can't really make myself excited about this. And so my friend worked at this law firm and was like, do you want to work in the law firm with me? kind of a clerical role that paid better than anything that I, like it, I made more money doing that than anything I'd ever done before. So I was like, Oh, maybe money is the point. Right? Um, you know, like it, I wasn't getting rich, but I did, all of a sudden I was able to do the things that I wanted to do. I could, I could do a little traveling. I could eat out fairly regularly. You know, like being a reporter was really, uh, it, it paid very, very little. So, so yeah, so I just did that for a while. I just coasted.
0: Got it. And what, uh, how long were you at the law firm?
1: Uh, I was at the law firm all told because this was a this was an international law firm that had offices in different cities. So I worked there in Boston. And then I moved to New York City. Uh, and the reason I moved to New York City was because I felt all of a sudden I was starting to feel like life needed to have a little bit more of a purpose. And it was it was a very hazy sensation that I had. I didn't know what that purpose was supposed to be. But every time I went to New York and I hung out with my friends here, I saw that they were all doing things that they loved, right? Whether it was editing an art history magazine. I had another friend who uh, started his own poetry press. Like I had all these people here who were doing things that excited them. And I was like, if I move to New York, perhaps just in proximity of that, I will start to absorb some of that energy and I'll figure it out. Right. Yep. And so I did, but I, I kept working at the same law firm. I just, I moved to their New York branch, um, which just, I, I, I'm so thankful that I had that, that law firm to kind of carry me through as I figured out my own path. It was like the day job that was able to sustain the things that I really loved. Um, um, so yeah, so when I moved to New York, I, I, I think I was here for a while before anything really happened, before that food magazine happened. Uh, yeah, I was in New York for about a year and a half before before I started doing any kind of food writing.
0: Um, and so while you're at the law firm this whole mm-hmm. time, you're not doing any any writing or blogging or...
1: Well, that's, that's funny too. Um, the law firm, the first job that I got in the law firm was very clerical. It was just like record keeping stuff. Um, and totally unfulfilling, but not miserable, just something you just did. And then you left. Um, but then I applied for a job within the same law firm. Uh, the wife of the CEO decided that they wanted to put out a daily newspaper just for the people who worked at this law firm, which is like 3,500 people. Uh, and it would just, like this daily quote unquote newspaper was just like the, the news of the firm, right? So we would write feature stories that were like a Silicon Valley, one of our Silicon Valley lawyers is a rocker on the weekends and he plays, you know, he plays with a garage band or, you know, another one of the offices had a pet picnic or things like this. Uh, so- it was goofy it was dumb um but at least i was writing you know and that's what i told myself i was like well you know this this is okay i know it's a fake newspaper and it's kind of lame but uh at least every day is a little bit different you know like as i quote unquote report on these things (laughs) and again it's just like this is absurd that i'm making over twice as much money writing this silly fake newspaper as i did doing real news that actually mattered for people in wisconsin
0: so after the, after the law firm, where, where do you go next? You move to New York. What happens career-wise?
1: It was literally, what, three years, I think, that I continued to work at the law firm and just kind of part-time do the food writing. Um, I freelanced a little bit at the Village Voice and the Wall Street Journal while I was here. And then, again, you'll see the pattern that I followed my girlfriend out to San Francisco <laughs> where I had no food writing connections, but the law firm had another office there. So I ended up working at three different offices of the same firm. That was kind of the swan song for me at that law firm uh, that because when I came to San Francisco, uh, I discovered that it's 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 a funny thing to say because I feel like there's a lot of creative talented people out there, but the culture at least I mean in tech it's different, but the culture of at least in writing and journalism was just not very competitive. I didn't feel like people were very ambitious and like driven driven to like push themselves forward, even really talented ones, whereas I came from New York where that's the only way you could make it. Um, so I, I kind of applied that go get them spirit, and I was just super aggressive. Every opportunity that I found in San Francisco, I took it, you know, so it started off just like blogging for the, the all-weekly newspaper, um, you know, this, 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 and then, you know, in under a year, I was a restaurant critic for Oakland, the rest, the only restaurant critic in Oakland. Um, so it was kind of crazy how fast things went once I moved to San Francisco.
0: yeah. Think again. Thinking back on your career so far, are there any um, your friends, family, colleagues? Are there yep. what what if you were to think back about the type of counsel or advice uh-huh. that they've consistently <laughs> sought from you?
1: Oh, sought from me, not sought, not provided for me. Um, no, actually, sought from you. Oh, okay. Um, huh. Well, now I mean, it's just it's nonstop that I have to give restaurant recommendations to people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I still friends, friends in San Francisco will still still send me text messages and be like, okay, so I have a business lunch meeting in North beach and it's going to be about six people. We don't want it too fancy. Like, like all of this stuff goes into it. You know, where am I going to go? Um, so yeah, I would say number one. Buy <laughs> yeah. It's just restaurant recommendations. Yep, um, yep. but then, uh, What's funny too is just like it'll be it'll be kind of the one-off questions, you know, where someone's life has intersected something that I know about, you know, and they'll just be like, "Hey, you know, what can you tell me about ABC?" It's funny when my dad uh, made that decision that he wanted to quit his job at the hospital and become a a gardener uh, for this fancy restaurant. He he called me and he was like. Uh, so what are kind of the buzzwords that I should throw around when I'm in the interview? Like you're working in agriculture and food. Um, What are the types of things that I should say to the chef that would make them hire me? And I was like, okay, dad, well, say sustainable a lot, say locavore. (laughs)
0: Um, You know, like
1: we we went through a laundry list and I, and I really liked that. That was really enjoyable to me to realize that, you know, all of a sudden I had some sort of, some area where I could provide what I think was probably decent advice, you know? Yep.
0: Yep. Um, and actually, let's go back to the question you were going to answer or jumping to answer, which is, what kind of uh, counsel and advice did you get along the way or have you gotten along the way from friends, family, and colleagues?
1: Um, well, because one thing struck me. Uh, when I was at the law firm, I kind of kept it low profile that I was doing this except for to my closest friends because I was afraid that they would catch on to, to a fact, which was that I was doing some of this food writing stuff while I was at my day job. Right, right. And now I haven't done that for long enough that I can feel like, like I can admit that on the air. But I was, uh, you know, I was. I, it, it wasn't so taxing that I didn't have some free time during the day, uh, and so I was doing that. But I kept it. I kept it on the the down low, and so then when I kind of like all of a sudden tell my boss, "Look, I'm going to take this job as a restaurant critic." she just was, she was flabbergasted. She was like, what? You know, like, I didn't even know that this was something that you were into or whatever. Um, and she kind of tried to steer me in a more sensible path. And my mom was a little bit like this too, was like, well, I mean, it seems like writing is a lot more precarious of a career than what you have here. Are you sure you don't just want to do what's safe? And it gave me pause because at that point, you know, I had been pretty safe. This had been my safety net for six years. Um, and I didn't know what it was going to be like. You know, it was a significant pay cut to become that restaurant critic. Right. And who knows? You know, I, I saw people, I saw the people, journalists were getting laid off all the time. It was also just, I could maybe work at this job for six months and the newspaper shuts down or lets me go. But, you know, I, I, let's just call it just instinct. I was just like, yep, I, I know you're right. I know that maybe I should stick with something a little more stable, but this is what seems kind of exciting to me.
0: Yep. So, right, so you, so it's instinct, intuition that sort of gets you over that question of practicality.
1: Sure, definitely. Um, and so, if there was any kind of advice where people that I've had, for, it's been from more conservative friends and family members who just thought that making sure that your four hundred one k was well stocked um, was was probably like the first and foremost value. Yeah. Um, but at the same, time, but I've also had a lot of friends and family who were just like, "This is amazing! This is great! Um, you know how fun is it they, they, I, we get to go to restaurants together sometimes?" And you write about it.
0: Right, um, right, so. right. Um, a few more questions here before we wrap up. Uh, on a, on a scale of zero to ten, uh-huh. where zero is a total non-issue and ten is a big dark gloomy shadow, how large a shadow would you say financial considerations have had over your career path to date?
1: Um, not as much as they should. I'll be, uh-huh. I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. Um, there was, there was a job this year that, uh, I went out to breakfast with, it was an editor job at a big magazine. Um, and it was a website editor job that would have involved a lot of kind of managerial stuff, yep. uh, bureaucracy. And they, they were very explicit about the fact they were like, you'll be editing stories, but you're not going to, there's not gonna be time for you to write. Um, you'll just be the editor. Yep. Um, at the same time, it was a magazine that had, you know, a full raft of good benefits and, you know, the opportunity to leave work at a, at a reasonable time every day. Um, so I mean, if I was smart, if, if money was the thing, then that's what I would have done. Um, but it's not, it's not, I mean, I think I'm happier for it, but it it definitely does not factor in as much as it should.
0: No, that's, that's interesting. So what, what did ultimately factor in what, what killed that decision?
1: freedom is a big part of it. Um, the job that I have now editing this food magazine, uh, when I talked to the, to the, uh, publisher of the magazine, he just was very open to, you know, whatever you need, whatever you want to write about or do on your side when you're not doing this is totally cool. Um, so that that's, I mean, the, the most, most exciting thing that I do is the freelance stuff on the side Yep, because I get to pick The work that I make, you know, like I, I come up with the story idea, I send it around, I find a place that's willing to pay me for it. And then I do it. Um, and so to like, see that from start to finish is amazing.
0: Would you say now then that the, you know, writing, um, Mm -hmm. is pretty much, that is the, that has to happen in your life no matter what
1: kind of does. It kind of does. It really like, I I like editing. I, I solidly like it. And if, if at some point, you know, because I have a kid, or because whatever, it's just an opportunity. I have to just be an editor. Yep. that that would be okay. I I could I could live with that. But really, it, I I think that even if I did that, I would have to somehow write on the side. I, I don't. There's any way of getting around that. Um, one other thing about money that I, I realize is that it does it does matter as far as the freelance things that I take. I won't because because I need each of those gigs in order to pay my rent. Yep. Uh, I won't I won't take assignments below a certain rate you know i've I've set a rate for myself that i won't go below Yep. um but i wouldn't be freelancing at all if money was really the most important factor
0: yep yep um what would you say has been the biggest highlight of your career
1: oh man um well the job that i had before this one um was at a magazine called modern farmer it's kind of an agriculture magazine written for a general interest audience, um, but with kind of the, the approach of uh, more long-form uh, Atlantic-style feature writing, right, um, yep. about farming, which isn't done all that often um, for people who are not farmers. So I got a job as the first and only staff writer at that place, and that was just I don't know if there was one individual experience, um, but, like, I got to go to uh, NASA headquarters in Florida and see the their plans to grow lettuce in space, right? Like, go to their labs. And I got to go to Hawaii and see um, these this group of uh, academics who were looking to maybe build farms out in the sea. And uh, it just it was just I got to travel and I got to have these incredible – adventures and then actually write something that mattered about them. It was just, everything came together and it was so sweet and I knew that it was so great that it couldn't last forever and it, it didn't. Well, um, and why did it not? Well, that was the, I mean, that was more about the magazine than it was about me. Uh, the financial backer, uh, he, there, there became creative, di- there became differences between the person who was giving the money to the magazine and the head of the creative department. Um, such that it just, it just became a constant battle and it was not no longer a pleasant place to work. Uh, and so the whole editorial staff in January all left at the same time. Got it.
0: Are there any career decisions, uh, you've made along the way that now looking back, you would choose to either undo or somehow redo?
1: I think that that job I would have left a little bit earlier mm-hmm. uh, because because it was so amazing at the very beginning when we had a bunch of resources and I was able to just report a story the way that it should be reported. Um, I didn't give I wasn't able to give up the ghost and so some of my colleagues they went and they found better jobs they were you know they they saw the writing on the wall but I stuck it out until the bitter 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 end and so I feel like I could have gained about four to five months of a more pleasant life if I had, if I had just left when, it, when other people were leaving. What, um, made, what made you stick it out? I just thought maybe things would change. I just thought that the, the guy who was giving us the money might be convinced that, you know, he shouldn't be so stingy and that we should pay all our freelancers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and frankly, also, when everyone left, it put me in a position. I got, I got promoted pretty significantly. Uh, and so I was like, hey, you know, I'm almost top dog here. This is great. Um, but in hindsight, all of that. It was not that smart. Yeah,
0: got it. Uh, last question here. Uh, Jesse, knowing what you know today uh, about your career, how would you
1: advise your, your younger self? Um, God, you know, it's, my, my path was so circuitous that, like, I, I just kind of feels like it all happened on accident. What I, would, what I would advise my younger self is just that. I mean, I did spend a long time at the law firm before I was doing anything really that I was passionate about to really be happy and not just kind of, what's the word? What's the, what's the word for not being happy, but not being miserable. Just, just Uh, existing. blah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like just just don't just exist, right? Like that's not good enough. Like there, there is, there is more to be gained if you just kind of go out there and start to, you know, grab life by, by the horns. Um, I had another friend who worked at that law firm who has now gone into what her passion was, which was fashion and I'm not saying that I'm convinced her that it was a good idea, but we definitely had heart-to-hearts because she was super nervous about making that leap uh, and yep. it, leaving what was a stable job in order to design her own clothes and sell it, which was such a huge risk. And so, you know, I kind of gave her the the advice that's maybe not super sane, but I was like, "Do it, do it, do it, do it. You're going to be so much happier for it. Yeah. Um, you know, even if your life is more tumultuous and sometimes you're not sure where the money's going to come from, you will feel better if you do this." And she did, and she, I think it's true. It
0: worked out relatedly how do you personally live with that concept of risk or how did you how have you lived with that concept of well, risk?
1: because i'm a dum-dum um <laughs> like I, I it just doesn't loom as, as large as it should uh i don't i don't get scared i don't know maybe because everything has worked out pretty well so far yep. you know like I've, I've never i've never gotten hungry or not not been able to pay the rent uh and you know it's really hasn't been like because my parents helped me out that, that was true So it kind of seems that just through experience, uh, take the risk because it'll be okay. Something will work out. You know, you have have to both take the risk and be a little bit sensible about it too. Like once you're out there, in the time between when I left Modern Farmer and when I got this job, there was about three months uh, and I was being pretty, uh, I think at that point I would have taken that job that I was just telling you about, the one that, you know, was not that exciting. but. Uh, but would have paid me well. So, so it's not—it's not like I'm—I'm I'm so dumb that I—that I would, you know, look a a job that could pay my, pay my income in in the mouth, um, if it was the only way that I could get by. Right. Uh, but at this point, I don't have to. So.
0: Right. <laughs> so cool. Fantastic. Well, Jesse Hirsch, thank you. Fascinating story. Fascinating journey. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to share it.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gertzabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating of the show on iTunes would also be hugely appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a good guest, please, 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 please please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com.